0: You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with your host, Dom.
1: Subscribe, give a five-star rating and follow us on Twitter at country underscore chat and stay up to date.
0: Hi there, you're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with me, Dom. Today, I'm here in the UK and I'm speaking to a person that's heavily, heavily involved in the country music scene. He's very well known throughout bands and previous. He's got music coming out very, very soon. This guy's name is the most wonderful, it's the most excellent, it's Tim Pratty-Jones. Hey, Tim. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. How are you, more importantly?
1: I'm also good, you know. I've got no complaints. The sun is currently shining, where (laughs) I am, anyway. Um, So, yeah, I can't complain.
0: I mean, we've got to get get the weather talk out of the way, because on Tuesday, I live up near York, and up here, it was snowing on Tuesday.
1: Yes, and before that, it was yeah, like we twenty had, degrees. Exactly, we had we had exactly the same. Um, absolutely nuts, and I, I, I thought that I thought that the forecast was wrong. To be honest, and I thought, be the usual sort of weatherman has no idea what he's talking about scenario. But um, no, as predicted, there was indeed snow the day after glorious sunshine. Um, whatever next, you know? I've I've given up trying to second guess everything now.
0: Oh, exactly. I mean, I just, I just go with the flow. If someone goes, oh, have you heard it's going to snow next week? I'm like, all right. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. If it does, it does. <laughs> if it do not it do not Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> now you've been busy. You've been extremely busy. Like I can't even comprehend how busy you've been in the past, in the past five, 10 years. It's been
1: insane yeah. for you. Yeah, it has. I mean, I think, um, you know going back as far as like 10 years which which i think it was probably a bit of a turning point around that time for me like m- music has always been a part of my life a massive part and and all i've ever done really but in you know in those in those days from from finishing my music degree you know you have to you have to work you have to have a a, a job to fund everything that you do musically so that's what i was doing so I was in bands I was writing for other people this that and the other but actually I was always doing other work. Yeah. Um and it it was I guess in the back of my mind I was always you know my goal is to to be doing this full time. Um you know professionally whatever. Um you know and I was getting like good little bites here and there as being like a session musician or or it, you know as I say in in a band and stuff but um yeah it was sort of just under 10 years ago now where i think sort of like i sort of hit a new gear really yeah and it was it was only through throwing myself into something that i knew i'd be petrified to do <laughs> but you know how how do you ever progress if you don't do that you know that that's the thing exactly. and um so yeah i was as i say having a, a life of being in bands and what have you and then an opportunity came about to audition for a tv show um a singing show um singing being the thing that i was probably least confident about musically you know i'd, I'd always played instruments i'd always been in bands but actually being like front and center vocalist was probably the thing that i was a little bit skeptical about and, and it's purely because of how personal your voice is yeah. you know you, you can you you know, if I'm playing a guitar thing and someone doesn't like it, they'll just go, oh, I hate that. I don't like, I don't like the way you play guitar. And you go, "Yeah, don't care, whatever. And yet, if someone says, I don't like your voice, you're like, oh, but that's that's the voice I was born with. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. It's really, it's really personal. Um, so that was kind of always my hang-up about it. And um, it took a bit of uh, persuasion and bullying from people I know to say, look, you know, just go for this opportunity it suits you vocally. Um, and to cut a long story short, you know, that was for, it was one of those Andrew Lloyd Webber TV shows, you know, and it was the one that, where they were searching for Jesus Christ superstar. Yeah. So, um, I thought, well, look, I've got nothing to lose. I'll probably kick myself if I don't give it, give it a go. Anyway, as it would happen, I, I sort of was progressing through the rounds. I couldn't quite believe it was happening. And I still never thought that it would, you know, go any further. Um, I was able to take a bit of sabbatical from work because I was just in this process for months, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, again, cutting another long story short, (laughs) I was, I was, I made it through to the, to the live TV show. So I basically moved. This was whilst I was living in the Midlands and, um, we had to relocate. I was moved down to London. I lived in a house with the other top 10 contestants. Um, we live together and form this amazing bond. And even, even now we've still got this bond and this is, you know, nearly 10 years on. Yeah. We're really good friends. Some of us best friends, you know, Um, just because we went through so much, but it was actually that experience and off the back of the TV show where I went, well, I've always thought I might not be good enough to do this full time, but actually this has proved that I can, you know, and I can sort of um, hold my own. And uh, I was offered a role on the arena tour of Jesus Christ Superstar at the back of the TV show, which was amazing. So I was, um, I was in the show, but I was also understudying Tim Minchin, uh, which was amazing. So we became really close, really great friends, uh, again, still to this day, he's, he's been a massive supporter, um, which still blows my mind as I am of his, obviously. I think he's incredible. He's a genius. Um, and just, yeah, just worked with amazing people. And I thought, well, this is the time. So I, I basically phoned work and said, uh, thanks for the sabbatical leave. <laughs> um, I'm not going to come back. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, which was not a hard decision. I'll be honest. I mean, you know, I didn't want to leave anyone in the lurch, but it was not a difficult decision. And um uh, so that's it. That's like nearly 10 years of doing music, performing, whatever, professionally full time, you know, and so over the years, then I did. I then did a couple more years of musical theatre. Did some West End shows, which were amazing experience, unbelievable experience. You know, performing eight shows a week yes. really gets you. <clears throat> I don't know, just really prepared for uh, performance. You know, constant performance. So it's stamina, it's everything. Um, you know, and I, I know musical theatre has a bit of a sort of. Um, you know, people sort of turn their nose up at it sometimes going, Oh, you know, especially on these TV shows where they go, Mm. Oh yeah, you're a good singer, but you, you're a bit theatrical. You, you you belong on the stage, you know? And it's like, and they mean it as a, as a slight insult, which I find incredible. It's like, it's horrible. You're that good. You should go and perform eight times a week. You know, that's not an insult. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. You know, loads of people I know would love to do that. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of, of what I did in theater and, it was it was during the last show that I did, which was um, Kinky Boots in the in the West End, which was a lot of fun. Um, but that's when I I formed uh, the Wandering Hearts because I, I really missed I really missed band life and and creating and stuff. And theatre's wonderful, but you do you're essentially acting someone else's piece or performing someone else's stuff. And yeah. I, I felt like that side of my uh career was lacking at that point because i just wasn't creating i knew i wanted to start a band i knew i wanted two guys two girls sort of modern day fleetwood mac kind of vibes and um and that's what i did you know i i I sort of searched here there and everywhere for for um you know what i thought would be the the strongest sort of pairing and and team to, to put this band together i started writing songs we recorded two of my songs um I popped up one of the songs on SoundCloud and um, basically our management found us within half an hour of uploading that. So that was nuts. And Crazy. it was obviously through them. That we, yeah. It, I mean, that stuff just doesn't happen. And no. you know, by this point I, I've been in bands for like 15 years prior to this. And it's like, that never happens. <laughs> um, but obviously these contacts were then built and that's how we met Decker. And, and, you know, we, we, we achieved amazing things with that band that I will never forget, you know, releasing an album on a major label, you know, having a vinyl album was was a massive deal because I remember them first time around. And, uh, yeah. um, you know, and the, the shows and the gigs we did, you know, we, we went over to Nashville and played. We played the Ryman. We played the Opry twice. We did the Bluebird. We went to Graceland and played there too sharing stages with like Chris Stapleton and, you know, just Marty Stewart. And I mean, that stuff, you know, it's a bucket list thing and and it, and it doesn't happen to many people. And what, and I am so grateful that it did happen to us, you know? Um, I mean, but, you know, there's so much, I, there's things, so
0: much you can take from that. I mean, one <laughs> thing that I do want to pick up, you know, just the fact that you was in kinky boots. I mean, I remember you sharing a. <laughs> I remember you showing a photo. I think it was an International uh, Day of the Theatre. International Theatre day. day. Yeah, that's right. And the image of you in the was it the knee high black
1: boots? Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah,
0: that, that was yeah. amazing. I mean, I absolutely love it. I mean, I love kinky boots in itself. I love the fact yeah. that people just get so into it. The whole
1: oh, it, it's. Oh, I love it. Do you know what? I've said this before in in other interviews. I've actually likened the sort of fan base um, of theatre to that of the country scene, just due to the sort of absolute loyalty and dedication of them. Yeah. Um, You know, and and I do think there's a lot of crossover there for whatever reason. And I think it might be the storytelling aspect. I think people can't help but get engrossed in theatre because of the stories, and I, I also think the same with country music, you know. It,
0: it is really um, fascinating. I mean, the majority of the people that I've spoke to, you know, on this show itself, you know, a lot of them have mm. come from a theatre background or they've studied theatre at school or, yeah. you know, they've been in some form of drama or dra- they've studied mm-hmm. drama. And it is, it, yeah. like you say there, it sums it up exactly. Is that whole storytelling aspect and the... The whole drama of it all. I mean, we, a lot of country, you know, the stereotypical country songs, they talk about heartbreak or they're going through a yeah. person's life. And mm-hmm. you need to be able to tell that story in a different way each time. You know, it can't all be cool. the same. It can be the same story, mm. but told in multiple different ways. And it is very yeah. well done. And I've got to say, what you've done in, you know, throughout your career progression has been absolutely insane i mean i'm i'm a massive fan of yours you know I, I make it very very well known i mean i remember when you won the bells and Girls uk country music spotlight award i, I yeah. just before you came on you came on the screen and i was like oh my it's it, it's tim tim's in front of me here this is this is like <laughs> this is my bucket list moment
1: he's brilliant oh stop it
0: <laughs> oh tim you're blushing
1: i am I that you know compliments don't come that often you know and that's not a woe is me thing that's just it's one of those things and it's I think it's some people who appear very confident and you know driven you know and and I'm definitely driven you know I I always have been but confidence has always been the weak point you know but I I think I'm able to hide it a little bit with jokes usually yeah (laughs) as I'm sure most people do you know so and I think when you appear like that and maybe you appear strong in some way, I think those are the people that are often neglected when it comes to compliments and help, Mm. you know, I I see a lot of this stuff written about mental health things and, you know, always check up on friends and and the people you love, but also your strong friends and like the people that you don't imagine would be suffering in any way, you know? exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say anything here other than, compliments are always welcome. Like, it's, it doesn't mean they're easy to take, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. what what an amazing thing that someone's gone out of their way to say something, you know, and it's something I always try and do with people. You know, if I think someone or a song is terrific, I'll just go and tell them or I'll tweet them or I'll, do you know what I mean? And
0: yeah.
1: That surely is what social media is for. You oh, know, exactly. not all the other nonsense you have to put up with, you know. I've got a dog. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I mean...
0: <laughs> My dog has just uh, gone a bit crazy at the door. So every time someone knocks at the door, he, yeah. he, goes, absolutely, he goes absolutely crazy. His name's George. He's a lasso-apso. And he's the tiniest thing ever. But he's got a voice <laughs> of a giant. hes <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're in, this, we're in this kind of lockdown period. And we're, yeah. we're having to do a lot of things at home. Now, I'm at home doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. And you've got your radio show. You've got Homegrown yeah. on Chris Country Radio. Mm-hmm. Do you record everything of that at home?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm lucky that you know I'm I'm a music producer essentially, mm-hmm. so uh, I, I do a lot of work from home. I have a you know I have the gear at home to be able to do this, which I'm you know grateful for when it came to <laughs> to, to landing that radio show. So yeah, I'm I'm able to do that from home, which is amazing, and just uh, upload everything from here uh chris is great at the station as well to to help put stuff together but yeah everything's done from home just like just like the majority of my work is you know when when the gigs and the shows stop all i can do is write and produce really and and thankfully that's that's been able to continue this last year um and in in a strange way i think it's it's like anything if i was in like a marketing job or something i think if i was working from home i would work way harder because I felt like I had something to prove, yeah. you know, to, the, to those in the office to go. <laughs> I may be working at home, but I'm achieving like loads of stuff. Yeah, you know? you've got to overprove um, yourself. Exactly, exactly, and I don't think there's any harm in that. But um, yeah, I, I've, I've certainly done a lot of work this last uh, this last year. Lockdown, it's you know, I'm not going to say it's easy. It obviously has its struggles, and particularly when you've got like a uh, a young child in in the flat, it's. Um, You know that
0: that that's a challenge (laughs) for many reasons. (laughs) That was going to be my next point. Really was.
1: Oh, there you go.
0: How is it? How is it that you can do such an amazing show and still and do everything that you do in terms of the you know singing, songwriting, the producing that you do for a lot of people? I mean, Jake Morelli Mm. is a mass. You know, you two are like inseparable. Same with (laughs) Matt Spracklin, and you know everybody in the country music scene go to you for the advice.
1: How how it's, how, it's how you do it? and do you know what? It, the, the advice thing is, is is interesting because that's something I've always done. Yeah. Like I, I wish to a certain degree, and don't don't get me wrong, I've had people, you know, dotted throughout my career who've just been really lovely, generous people who've wanted to help. Um, I think those are getting fewer and far between uh in general, because I think everyone's scrapping and scraping to get ahead, you know, which I totally understand. Yeah. But I, I love giving advice, you know, and you know, it doesn't mean it's correct. <laughs> but you know, I, I I love helping people. If I if I think someone could do with a hand or needs a favor or whatever, I'll I'll always try and do my best for them. Um but actually yeah yeah being able to do this stuff at home, it's been hard. And particularly those first couple of months because um my son Bryn was at home for the whole thing um, for three, three and a half months. That was really difficult. That was the hardest point. Uh, All three of us had COVID as well uh, last year around that time as well. So that, that was a really miserable time. Um, But actually that's when I started doing those um, UK country collective videos where I just sort of like get people from the scene together to remotely record covers, you know, some of the best covers I think ever written um yeah and that was amazing I just had to do that at really random times um middle of the night uh you know whenever whenever Bryn would have a sleep um if he had a sleep um so I just do stuff at the most random of times you know and and that really has continued although he's back at childcare for a couple of days a week those are the times I just have to really knuckle down and just work and work and work um but failing that very late nights and early mornings, you know, which I'm kind of all right with, actually. I I work on very little sleep.
0: (laughs) I mean, the UK Country Music Collective that you did was just out of this world. That's what first introduced me to you as a singer and in terms of the collaborations that you did. And I just remember hearing the different kind of covers that you did solo. And the different mm-hmm. genres that you kind of incorporated, you know, the kind of the yeah. rocky, the heavier metally rock, almost think, not yeah. not going into the screamo, but it would, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, I tried to replicate, yeah. I tried, when you listen to music, try and match the tone and the key and
1: sure.
0: I sure. just blow my voice, I just blow my throat out every time. I couldn't, how do you do it? Like,
1: do you know what Uh, some of that stuff there's no way i could do it every night there's no way it's it's fine for a recording here and there but yeah you know like in my 20s i was in i was essentially in rock rock and metal bands so uh i was usually the drummer in fairness but i'd always do backing vocals and stuff and i did a bit of screaming but not very much i i can't do screaming now without coughing constantly afterwards but um Singing high has just always been something that came quite naturally for whatever reason. And it was it was actually the reason, weirdly, that I didn't sing in public because I thought, oh, God, no one else sings like me. Why have I got a high voice? And you've got one of my butch mates who could grow beards. I couldn't at the point at that time. Um, they could all grow beards and sing really low. And I was just like, what am I going to do with this voice? You know, it's <laughs> just pointless. Um, and that's part of the reason why I ended up going for that Jesus Christ Superstar show was because finally there was a voice and a, and a role that actually sort of went along with this high voice yeah. that was able to do really crazy stuff. And that's, that's the pretty much the entire reason that I got into that show. Um, and, you know, so be it, I've kind of embraced it now and actually doing some of those covers you were talking about, I, I particularly chose some because they were extremely low, you know, cause I wanted to show people that I could do that as well. Um, you know, like the what ifs, like the Kane Brown track. You know, I love yeah. that song, but I don't think anyone was really prepared for me singing.
0: <laughs> I mean, isn't it crazy how you get into your own head, though? You know, in terms of your own abilities. I mean, at first, yeah. whenever I thought about doing like a podcast or a radio show, I've always, I was always kind of self-conscious with how I sounded because I've got I've got a naturally high voice in comparison to a lot of the other presenters, and you kind of comp- right. the issue is you compare yourself and Mm. it's getting out of that comparison now what was it that actually triggered you to do like a music degree you know before you even started embracing music
1: yeah like music had been such a part of my life growing up both my parents played the piano um they were both teachers actually and my mum my mum was the sort of lady in primary school who played the piano for assemblies and stuff, so she she had sort of like those piano skills and i I learned the piano from a very early age and that that actually remains to be the only instrument that i 've really been taught um, which actually made me dislike the piano for a, quite a long time <laughs> yeah because i hated I hated practice and i hated i really resented learning other people 's music at that point yeah it was um it was really odd and I just felt like I was overanalyzing someone else's music. And I was just like, I just want to play the piano, you know, nothing in particular. I just want to listen to something on the radio and go, Oh, that's this. And I, and I I feel like I got to about, what was it? Grade seven, I think piano. And I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do any more exams in this. I just want to play for the, for the love of it. Mm -hmm. And I think I got out just in time where I, I'd obviously, you know, collected all this sort of theory knowledge which I was really grateful for because it was that that helped me go off and teach myself other instruments and and have that knowledge of how they work but I wasn't because I stopped when I did I wasn't 100% sort of reliant on reading sheet music or whatever I was able to hear something and and like imitate it to a certain degree um so yeah that that's kind of That's how the music thing started, and, and, you know, I studied it all throughout school, and the natural progression was to do a degree. Uh, I sort of went in as a drummer, really, uh, into my degree, but also really interested in performance and composition. Um, But actually, I I really started taking composing seriously almost immediately after I finished university, strangely. Yeah. I felt like I really targeted my singing at uni in the end, weirdly. I was basically go on, go. I was just going to say the
0: learning the piano and then being able to do it from here and then going into the music degree with the drums. Do you find mm. all, doing all of that and the progression of being able to do all of that has helped you in the sense of like the production side, the actual Oh yeah. bringing together the musicians and then doing like the collaborations and then doing your own music, everything kind of yeah. progresses. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, no, it, it really is. And, and to be honest, the sort of thought process at the time of learning all those instruments was so I could essentially be a one man band when yeah. I wanted to record stuff. You know, I didn't rely on other people. You know, and this is this is from someone who, who'd always been in bands, actually. So, you know, I, I was always surrounded by people that that I that I loved who could play brilliantly and this, that, and the other. But you know, when it comes when it comes to producing someone else or writing with someone else, I was able to get down so much of the music myself. Um, And that's kind of yeah, that's kind of what, why I learned all the things that I did or taught myself all those things. And I, I also thought best to do that from a young age because I, I haven't got the mental capacity now to learn a new instrument. <laughs> that's for sure.
0: <laughs> what was it that triggered you to actually sit down then and actually start writing your own music? You know, as a solo artist, like going into bite the bullet and the good life.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean that that feels so late on in my career. It's so hard. So having always written, you know, from from when you're needing to write a thing in sort of like GCSE music, you know, you have to <laughs> write composition, this, that and the other. I always liked it. I always had a real thing for it, but it was literally finishing university and going, what now? You know, and at that point, session musicians was still a thing where they were getting quite a bit of work. And that's what I went into doing. But actually, I fell into session musician work after I basically submitted some songs of mine to a, to a, a publishing company and said is this what you're after you know they were looking for country music and yeah. this was you know I'm talking I don't know over 15 years ago a long time ago and they were like songs are good they're not quite what we're after though but who's you know who's the vocalist on your demos and I said oh well, that's me I said oh right well I might have some stuff for, I might have some work for you so essentially that led into me getting into session work as a I was basically a backing vocalist and guitarist for a number of country artists and and I loved it. It was amazing. I got to play with people like Albert Lee and we got to play, you know, around Europe a little bit, play massive shows in like Berlin and whatever. Oh wow. And, and this was amazing yeah. and this was just off the back of university. So I was kind of like, oh my god, this is incredible. <laughs> but session work really dried up, I felt, and and I felt like around that time the country music scene, I mean, there basically wasn't really a country music scene in the UK. Really, at that point, it was very few and far between. But um, that kind of dwindled, and then it sort of my rock stuff came to the forefront. Um, starting another band again, and we did a lot of touring and a lot of really great stuff. Um, but yeah, I've got I've definitely gone off on a tangent here. I love it. I'm, I'm <laughs> loving it. I'm, I'm, basically don't... the country stuff just kept coming back and back in waves. Yeah, you know, it was so strange, and now it's sort of back and. For good, I think, by the sounds of it. Oh, you were saying about, like, yeah, writing solo stuff, weren't you? That was it. And <laughs> I remember now. So I, I've always written stuff that I've recorded, always have done. Um, I've just never really put it out in the guise of me as a solo artist under my name. You know, yeah. a lot of a lot of what I wrote was for the bands I was in, you know. I, I wrote a lot for the band, uh, for the Wondering Hearts, Um So that was that was like a massive chunk of my writing. And we got to write with amazing co-writers and stuff, um, you know, in the UK and and over in Nashville and whatever. So that was a really great learning experience for me. And I I picked up a few sort of tips and tricks on, on how to really get the best out of your writing. And I basically just carried that on as soon as the, you know, as soon as the band thing ended for me, I was straight into writing for other people but actually some of those songs that I wrote with other people have ended up being tracks that I've thought, actually, I, I want to do that one. Yeah, I want to release that one, you know, and that certainly happened with Bite the Bullet, which is interesting. Um, and then Good Life I wrote with Jake Morrell, not really with the intention of it being for me at that point, we didn't really know, um, yeah. but actually it just really fit, you know, it really fit. And uh, I'm just really glad I managed to get that out, to be honest with you. It was, Really proud of that one, and the, and the sort of message and everything it stood for.
0: Yeah, no, that is. Have you ever, have you ever wanted to go back to like what you've written for like the Wondering Hearts and then re-release it as a solo for yourself?
1: It's um, a good point, actually. I've, I, I toyed, with, <laughs> toyed with, the idea of doing metal versions of some of them just for the fun of it. But <laughs> 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 um, it's, it's weird because we actually, after after we released Wild Silence and stuff we had a long time where we were doing a lot of festivals and shows and tours. And that's at the point where you're sort of writing your next album. So we actually wrote m- way more than an album's worth of material, um, you know, off, off the back of that first album. So there's loads of songs there that just probably won't ever be used or yeah. heard. Um, And there's, you know, there's a couple of those that I'm, you know, super proud of, but I also, I'm also one for looking forwards and not backwards. Um, and those songs were great for that time mm-hmm. and they were great for that setup that we had, but actually as a solo artist, I don't think it would work as much, you know, yeah. cause you very much play yeah. to singing as a, as four people and performing as four people. Um, and I I'm so happy with the sound that I've got at the moment and I'm obviously p- producing my own stuff to a certain degree. Um, I do collaborate now and again. Uh, I've worked with a, a young lady called Katie Ray, who's an incredible producer. She's also done some great stuff with with other artists in the scene, but she's a bit more poppy than I am. Yeah, and I needed that on a few of my tracks. And she's just the perfect person for that, in my opinion. But but the majority of the stuff I'm I'm producing because uh, it's got that slight sort of guitar-driven, rocky edge to, to it. Yeah, um, and. I just feel like my production skills and my writing is actually, I think better than ever at the moment. And, and I'm, I'm just really proud of myself because I didn't know that I could still do that and still improve on things. You know what I mean? It's not that I was ever like, Oh, I've, you know, I've made it. I'm content. I'm never content with anything, but it's still nice to know that you can still learn even at my ripe old age. I
0: mean, when, when you're working with people like Katie Ray who have that poppier sound, you know, who produce that yeah. kind of more uplifting sound, coming from mm. a rock background then, do you find that kind of pushes you to new levels and kind of tests your knowledge in the um, production?
1: It does. It absolutely does. And again, you know, I'm working with these people and I'm actually trying to pick up some of their techniques and just sort of thinking, well, how can I utilize that into my other stuff, you know? Yeah. And that's definitely happened. But actually, pop music and me have, have always had a, a relationship. I, I absolutely love pop music. You know, it's it just so happens that when you're growing up, you don't really ever start a pop band, do you? You know, <laughs> it, I was never going to be in a boy band. Let's be honest. So, oh, don't lie. I, well, you're right. Maybe, maybe I will. Where's um, life for missing out? I know. I I've tried telling them this. They won't listen. Um, but I. <laughs> I I love pop music. I love the sensibilities, everything, the catchiness. I love a good chorus. Um, I love all that stuff. So that's always been in my mindset. It just so happens that from a musical point of view, I'm far more comfortable with a real live instrument in my hand than I am programming stuff. I do program. I program every single day, but I, I still would just rather have an instrument to play you know, I just want to be in a room full of instruments on the walls. that I can just go that one, that one, that one, and just, and do it that way. And that usually doesn't result in pop music. I'll I'll be honest.
0: <laughs> before, before we actually started going into good life, what kind of instruments have you played before that have been like completely out of this world? Quirky. I mean, like to me, cigar uh, box yeah. guitars are quirky.
1: Yeah, we've done this, done the cigar box stuff. I've done, I've played cello on some stuff. Oh, Um which, you know, just happened to be in the room. And I thought, give that a go. Uh, accordion, I've put on stuff. Um, it's u- it usually ends up being percussive things. Yeah. Uh, and because I'm a drummer, I I see everything as like a drum or a percussion, you know, a percussive instrument. So I'll just be like dropping my keys on a table or <laughs> slamming a door or just doing weird stuff like that. I've done like body drums. So I'm like hitting myself on the chest and, You know, this stuff is all made like records. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, that's on the Wandering Hearts album. Just me (laughs) hitting myself. I mean, it's just, um, it's a bit random, but it's amazing what what it brings. You know, it's a sound that not anyone else could make specifically. Please tell me. And I like that
0: please tell me you're going to do some form of gig or live stream where you're going to be dressed up as Bert from Mary Poppins with the whole like drum kit, the cymbals and the accordion. That's got to be done.
1: I mean, you're talking to me like I've never done that before. Um, I <laughs> No, I haven't done it yet. I would love to be, I would love to be a one man band and I would actually really like to do a music video at one point. <laughs> I'd love to do a music video at one point where I sort of, keep appearing behind different instruments. I think that'd be quite fun. Really, really self-involved and egotistical, but just, from, just for the fun of it, why not? Eh? Exactly. Why not?
0: Well, at the end of the day, you can do it.
1: So why not? <laughs> we'll see. We will see.
0: <laughs> good life. So let, let's, get, let's get the cliche questions kind of out of the way then.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So good life, where was it inspired from? How, how did good life come to be about?
1: so, good life um that was my that was my last single, which, um, as I said earlier, actually, I wrote with Jake Morell. Mm-hmm. and we we um we wrote that off the back of the tragedy of of Caroline Flack, yeah. uh, taking her own life and the sort of absolute horror that she had to endure from people online and what have you. Um, yeah. and that was very much at the sort of forefront of our minds when we were writing this we were just like well why can't people just be nice like why and even if you have thoughts of of you know oh god i can't stand that person we all have those thoughts my god but you don't have to write it down publicly and direct it to the person you know and and I, i see it time and time again online on youtube comments everything where they people feel like they have the right to be really nasty and bully and pick on something of a celebrity or a famous person. And when someone picks them up on it, their defense is, Oh, they're rich. They don't care. <sighs> like those two things are linked in some way. And it's like, Hey, money does not buy ha- happiness. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, I'm told, I have no idea, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and, uh, but I mean, what, what sort of defense is that to sort of say, well, Oh they're not going to read this comment, so I can literally say whatever I like and it's that's not how this works
0: that that's the biggest issue as well with the likes of Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and the whole social media presence is the fact that people yeah. think they can be keyboard warriors they think they can yeah. say something without you know kind of ramifications there's no mm-hmm. consequences to what they say and mm-hmm. ultimately what happened with Caroline Flack is is it's i it's, it's i'm I'm speechless I mean. It's yeah. so, it was such a horrible time, and you know, I know so many people that were so personally affected as well because yeah. a lot of people are going through that same thing. And even though that person, sure. like Caroline, you know, she may be rich, she may be famous, but we've all got yeah. the same feelings. We've all got emotions. We've Absolutely. all got the kind of, you know, I, I suffer with mental health issues, I suffer with depression, and anxiety, and I've always been sure. quite vocal about it. Yeah. And, you know, when I see people posting comments, you know, on social media, that are, you know, defamatory, that are, you Mm -hmm. know, it affects me. You know, I think it makes you think, okay, then if they're saying this about this person that's well-known, what are they saying about people Mm -hmm. that aren't well-known? You know, everybody kind of ties together.
1: Yeah, I'm completely the same. And I I often jump in and I find it easier to defend when it's not about me. Yeah. Um, And in fact, I probably wouldn't defend it at all if it was me, because I I just go into an absolute shell of just like, Oh, I'm just not going to say anything and just sort of, you know, go into myself a little bit. But, <clears throat> you know, this, this happened on such a small scale to me. Uh, when I did that TV show I told you about, you know, yeah. we, the, the very first live show was pre-recorded the day before, just so they knew it was all running smoothly and whatever. So we, as a group of finalists, all watched it with the team at ITV and stuff mm-hmm. when it went out live the following day. So which meant we were sat there watching ITV with our phones in front of us, looking at Twitter as we're singing on TV. It was a really weird experience. But obviously then you're in the you're in the zone of, you know, instant reactions from people. And I'd love the process all the way up until that day. I loved the whole thing apart from from that day on yeah. where people could say whatever they like about you know, the way I look, the way I talked, the way I sang, anything, the way I dressed, whatever. Um, And all it takes is one comment. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people where I could have a hundred positive comments or a hundred comments. 99 are all like, oh my God, you know, what a performance. What, you know, what a voice, blah, 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 blah. I'll be like, oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. But not really take it in. And then I'll see one comment. And I got one comment that I saw that said, I don't like Tim Protty jones That's all it said. It wasn't picking on anything in particular. They just said they didn't like me. Yeah. And my world absolutely collapsed that night. I had a I had a panic attack. I passed out. Um, and then I spent the entire next day, where I should have been rehearsing for the live show, in a ball on the floor in a dark room with a counsellor who was trying to talk me around to going back out on stage again. I've not really spoken about this to anyone. Um, and that was one of the lowest days of my life yeah just because of one person and I thought well I can't go out again because it'll be more than one person next time you know and the fact that I got through that and then essentially pursued a career in performing (laughs) is is ridiculous it's ridiculous it's 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 like reading reviews particularly of shows and stuff you sort of you're doing it through like you know your hands over your eyes, but you sort of just can peek through and go. I kind of want to know what they say. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's awful. It's a, it's a really awful thing, and and performers, you know, and I've said again, I've seen comments that are like, oh, they, you know, they're, they're performers or they're musicians. They've got to expect this, or they've got they deserve this. Deserve what? Like nastiness? I don't understand. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I mean, people that turn it around and say it comes tennis. with a job. I mean, no, it doesn't. Nastiness doesn't mm. come with a job. You know, if yeah. you don't like something, turn it off, you know, go do something else, and then yeah. come back and then watch what you do like. There's no need That's to what I do. <laughs> berate people. You know, there's no need to exactly. put people down. Exactly. And it, it's crazy. I mean, I do the exact same thing as you. You know, you can, mm. you can get so much praise and so much praise, but as soon as one person says something a bit, you don't even have to be really negative. It's like, oh, that was, that was okay. Yeah. And everyone else yeah. is saying, oh, that's great. Well it's like, okay, then if that's just okay, you know, then yeah. what can I do to make it better? Is it me? And then you exactly. start self-criticizing yeah. yourself. And
1: I, yeah, absolutely.
0: I totally know where you're coming from when, you know, with that whole kind of want you know, being in a ball in a dark room and, mm you you tend to try and battle your own demons and you, you always think beforehand, oh, that's not going to affect me. That what, if I yeah. say something negative, oh, I'll be perfectly fine with it until mm-hmm. it actually does happen. And then you see it of course, yeah. and it's like, yeah, it takes you back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. There's, there's not many feelings like that actually. And you know, that, that was the sort of premise behind the music video. Um, if you've seen that to good life, cause it was, you know, this, the guy, the actor in the, in the video, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to play that guy in the video because it was a bit too close to home for me. So I was kind of like recounting this story to him yeah, saying, look, you're scrolling through your phone. You see all this stuff, really lovely comments. And then there's that one comment that just absolutely throws you, you know? Um, and I think that's the sort of stuff that we just need to stamp out. Mm-hmm. It should not be tolerated at any point, you know, half of the, the majority of these people who do it would never do it to someone's face. So what makes them think it's okay to do it, you know, on, on a public forum. Exactly. Um, you know, a lot of people out there who are, very, who are easily influenced and will read something like that and go, oh, oh, they must be right then. You know, maybe maybe he's not a nice guy. Or you know, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. sort of people just believe what they read on uh, at face value without actually researching it or going into it and stuff. And I just, I think that's a really dangerous way to live because you, yeah, I just don't think you get the full story,
0: you know? It, totally. I trying. mean, that, that, the great thing about social media is the fact that you can build up a presence very, very quickly. You can build up a fan mm. base quite quickly. But, you mm. know, it does come with those negatives and it shouldn't be there. It should be if you don't like something. Like I say, you know, if you don't like something, don't watch it. Don't listen to it. Just
1: I know.
0: move on. And yeah. I mean, my heart goes out to you. It really, really does. It must be crazy. Thanks, man. I mean, look, I, I don't get
1: it bad. I really don't. And, you know, which is why I don't really talk about this because it, it's it's, it's not been a, a massive, you know, compared to what some people must go through, mm-hmm. you know, at this level of success that they're at. It must be a, just awful. Um, and, but that, I think that will always play on your mind. When yeah. You're really trying to shoot for the stars and trying to make a name for yourself. You'll always go, but then I've got to endure that. And, and that kind of sets you back.
0: The the biggest thing, though, is the fact that you should never, ever compare it to other people's pains because we all have different tolerances. I mean, you That's know, true. you yeah. could take – you could probably take a lot more than what I could or, you know, vice versa mm. or, you know, me sure. with another artist or you with another artist. And, you know, we all yeah. have our own tolerances. It's it's like the famous, you know, saying, the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, yeah, it could exactly. just be that tipping exactly. point.
1: Mm-hmm. It must – it must yeah. be crazy oh, yeah.
0: though, going from being in that position to then coming up to most recently with Krista Burr giving you. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always going to be a tweet that sort of uh, shocks you that that it's happening. Um, but yeah, <laughs> at Christmas I did a I did a little cover um, of uh, "Spaceman Came Traveling," and um, I. I mean, I love the song anyway. I just remember it growing up. It was Mm -hmm. just one of my favourites. And I kind of, again, growing up, I didn't really know what it meant. I was just like, what? Space? It's about Christmas, isn't it? (laughs) It was really it was the most confusing Christmas song ever. And I think I've just sort of developed a a whole new appreciation for it as I've got older. And um, there's just sort of a slight darkness to the song that I absolutely love. And I just thought, oh, I need to cover that one. You know, know, have some pedal steel on that and uh, make it a bit more... I guess Americana in vibe, you know, and it was lovely, and yeah, as you say, Chris de Berg tweeted me saying that he he loved it, which is um which is lovely, bit of an honor, that. It's like the ultimate seal of approval it is the de Burg <laughs> I mean
0: I'm exactly the same you know it's there's two Christmas songs that I've always been you know they've always been my favorite. It's always been spaceman came traveling spaceman came traveling, and then mm. um the Pogues in new york right. yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're both yeah. kind of they're both darkish they're both they're not yeah, as very much. overly you know christmas this is joys and mm-hmm. happiness and you know i like the kind of the different the different cool. vibes and you nailed it you you added your own spin to spaceman came yeah. traveling I
1: I loved it. it's just because I, you know a good song is a good song yeah like, it's almost harder to mess it up than it is to make it all right yeah. You know what I mean? Because the song's so good. So uh, that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to do it justice to a certain degree. And um, the video. funny was right to say well. about the Pogue song, actually, because I've done that before as well. Um, when, sort of, it's a big old circle, this, but when I was doing West End stuff, I was in a show called Once, which is a gorgeous Irish show. Yeah. Um, uh, it's actually a film originally and then got turned into the, the stage show. But um, I was... Uh, I played alongside Ronan Keating in the show in the West End, uh, who's a really, really lovely, lovely, generous guy. And um, the Christmas that he was in the show, we we ended up doing a cover of the Pogues song with the whole cast of uh, of Once on the stage and everything. It was really well done, really fun. And um, yeah, so that that was that was a bit of a laugh actually. Getting to do that with Ronan was uh, was quite a treat. I mean, really good.
0: I like how it all comes back full circle when I mentioned Westlife earlier
1: yeah see right yeah so they're all there I actually wrote a song for Westlife in about 2003 it was around then it got pitched to Westlife they they had it on hold and it looked like they were going to take it for the album and then one of them left and then they decided to do a swing album instead
0: oh that is (laughs) that's like the ultimate
1: I I could have been someone man Oh, you could have been someone. could have been somebody, yeah. So <laughs>
0: I've
1: got stories. I've got, I've got so, so
0: many, many stories. I definitely need to get you back on soon because we've got to, we've <laughs> we've got what seven eight so minutes old. left. Because I'm so old,
1: I've done a lot of things.
0: <laughs> thing is, though, you're not you're not that old. I mean, you've done so much in such a short period of time. You've like lived the lives of many people in one foul <laughs> swoop. Uh, it's been
1: fun, man. I mean. Like the the biggest buzz at the moment for me is this um, is this new duet. To be honest with you, I've, I've I've been sitting on it for about a year now. Yeah. Um. And and actually, to finally having it coming out is such a relief. I'm so excited about it. It's um. It's called Until I Do, and it's with uh, an American artist called Stephanie Quayle, who's you know she's making real moves herself as a as an artist, uh, particularly in the states. Um. You know, she's playing the Opry quite a lot now. And, you know, she's done amazing stuff. And Anyway, she was she was at the top of my list of people I wanted a duet with on this song. Um, and this track, I was talking to Jeff Cohen, who's a very well-known songwriter in Nashville and a really good friend. And uh, he played me this song and I was like, oh, my God, I love this song. I really want to do it. I think it will suit me. I hope um, I really want to do it justice and I really want it to be a duet. And he said, oh, who do you want to sing it with? anyway, I gave him a list of three names, um, of people that I thought would be the right person for it. And I wanted it to be age appropriate. I didn't want to be singing it with like a, you know, 20 year old, uh, somebody who just, just, you know, don't any weird vibes, do we? (laughs) And, uh, you know, I want someone who, who's lived a life and has got a story to tell and, and, we can make this as believable as it can be, you know. Yeah. Anyway, Stephanie was number one on my list, and I gave it to Jeff, and he said, oh, I actually know Stephanie. I've, I've worked with her before, and he said, do you want me to, you know, send her a message? And I said, oh, God, yeah, if you could, that'd be amazing. Anyway, she heard the – I'd sort of produced up the song Ready yeah. and got my, vo- my vocal on it and everything, and he sent it to Stephanie, and she was like, absolutely. And she said, I trust you, Jeff, and I love this song, so, so let's do it. So that was about last May or June, I think. So I've had it for such a long time. And, you know, her team have been amazing. We've been trying to obviously orchestrate everything, get everyone's PR on board. And we've we've managed to get it recorded, obviously, remotely, with her mm-hmm. being in the States. Um, and uh, we've even done a full-on proper music video that we're both in. Um, and I don't want to give too much away, but I'm... <laughs> so proud of the music video it's it's beautiful and it's everything i hoped it would be it really is but that'll be out really soon as well but um yeah that's kind of my my big thing at the moment i'm proper excited
0: so what was the biggest holding point then between may last year till now into releasing until i do
1: well at that point i hadn't released any solo music yeah so i i didn't want to open with that because it kind of probably wasn't fair on Stephanie by going, hi, I'm an artist you don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't have any sort of about as an individual. You know, all my stuff online is, is, you know, either I've written for other people, but it's not under my name, um, or it's my band stuff, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I thought I need to really establish myself first with a couple of songs before putting this out. And then we had to obviously make sure that the release of this duet fitted within Stephanie's own release plans of her own stuff um because she started releasing brand new material from january so it was like she's done two singles now of the new stuff i've done two singles and now we've managed to fit this in which is you know perfectly timed, really great and and we we didn't want to do it when the world was completely shut down you know with no sort of hope of getting out there and actually doing anything about it um and i just think now there's a, a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel i think and you know, if people enjoy this song and hear it, then then I'm gonna take it on the road with some other songs. I've I've got a heck of a lot of songs going at the moment and I'm I'm so proud of them. So I'm um, this is the first of many more.
0: <laughs> now we talk about timings of everything and we're starting to go through this roadmap of you know just for reference for everybody, we're actually talking now on the 9th of April. This is gonna be hopefully released next week. And we're in this like kind of second stage of the roadmap where we're going, things are starting to open up. And they're talking about a traffic light system between international travel. And mm. with that in mind, is there kind of like plans for you to go over to the States or for Stephanie to come over here at some point and to actually meet up and do some gigging or performances? Yeah,
1: it, it's it, absolutely. It's, it's at the sort of one of the sort of near the top of our, uh, agendas to be honest with you. Stephanie really wants to get back over. She was over here in 2018, I think, doing C2C, and she was meant to be over in 2020, but obviously that all got curtailed.
0: But
1: mm-hmm. um and I've not been to Nashville since 2018 as well. Same. So we, we've basically done opposite trips essentially. Um, I am more than ready to go back over there. I, I really want to go out and do a writing trip though this time. Mm-hmm. We sort of did bits of writing when we were there but actually it was predominantly these amazing shows I told you about earlier so it was very much a sort of live gig sort of um and a couple of interview things that we did which were great but I really want to get out there and write because I've been doing some zoom writes with quite a few guys from um I say guys is a generic term guys and girls yeah <laughs> uh, in Nashville and um yeah, I just want to do some of those in person, you know. There's only so much joy you can get out of a Zoom call um, when it comes to writing a song with someone. Um, so yeah, I want to get out there as soon as possible and Stephanie really wants to come over and bring her new music as well and so that we can do this duet together live in person. Can't wait.
0: Now to finish off, are you going to take your whole family over to Nashville with you or are you going to kind of have a bit of a break?
1: I, I would really love them to come Actually, I I think so when I when I went when we did that sort of trip of dreams back in 2018, the first time we went, um, I actually brought my wife with me because she was she was five months pregnant. And we thought, well, this is going to be our last holiday for a very long time. Like, you know, so actually myself and and her came out to Nashville ahead of the band coming out. Yeah, we, we had a couple of days there having a lovely time. Um, she had quite a bump on her. So technically my son's been to Nashville as well. (laughs) He was sort of, he was kind of there. And, um, but yeah, we'd love to go back. Um, And that'll just depend on my wife's schedule and, you know, taking Bryn out of childcare or nursery or whatever. But um, I'm happy to do either. You know, the way I see it is it's not going to be a a one-off trip. I I want to make it a more regular thing now. Yeah. Um, And not even just Nashville, there's plenty of places I want to go you know stephanie said i need to go to her farm she's up in montana um, which is a very long yeah very long way away um <laughs> but uh, she's also madly in love with my son which is nice oh, um, okay. and thinks that he will love the farm and all the animals and he would he would absolutely go mad for that so perfect um, we might just take her up on that offer i think and and you know take a trip to montana or something i think that'd be incredible
0: It'd be nice to get away. I mean, particularly since these past what year and a half now that we've been yeah. stuck inside. We've not been able to go out and see gigs. We've not been able to go out and meet people in person. And, you know, yeah. just in general, just to see the world again. I just
1: can't wait. Mm-hmm. So true. I mean, the fact that some festivals are being announced and stuff now is such a big deal. And I'm I'm so excited to start playing. Because I've never gigged with a band my own stuff to this point. So I'm more than ready to... Get in that rehearsal room and get my band together and get these songs out there. Can't wait!
0: All right, Tim. Thank you for coming on. It has been an absolute Glad pleasure. Done. I could I could keep talking all day, but I know you've got things to <laughs> things to do.
1: I've got to I've got to receive my child from uh, from childcare. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! Let's oh, do it again, man.
0: Definitely. So, do you want to give everybody the kind of release dates, where they can find until I do, and where they can find you on social media?
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, Until I Do is the duet with Stephanie Quayle. And that'll be out on April the 16th, which is uh, actually a week today that we're recording this. Um, April 16th. And the music video should follow the following week. Uh, and there'll be a couple of little added bonuses on social media um, from me and Stephanie as well, which I'm really excited about. And uh, talking to social media, you can't really go wrong. Tim Protty Jones, there's no one else in the world called that so uh you can't miss me
0: <laughs> fantastic thank you for coming on and thank you everybody for listening cheers see you all next time take care and bye for now
1: that was the country chat podcast join dom next time for exclusive interviews reviews and general chit chats on all things country music